This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome everybody, this is your host Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast. It is spring break for the Buckeyes. It is actually really beautiful outside, and I'm really happy to be here today. How you doing today, Jordan? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing better because I decided to protect my mental health for the second sports season in a row, and I did not do a March Madness bracket, just like I didn't play fantasy football. So you know, I'm just watching the games and just enjoying, you know? Yeah, have, you know. No dog in the fight. You know, I was like... I think I saw your tweet earlier, and you're like, yeah, no bracket this year. Protecting my mental health. We're going to be good. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know why I do this to myself every single year. <laughs> and then immediately, and I, I went on Twitter, and it felt like every single person who covers Ohio State had Iowa advancing to at least the Elite Eight in the tournament. So when Iowa lost today, I was like, <laughs> we're all screwed. All right, cool. I'm not alone. All right. We're all good here. <laughs> But, yeah, never trust Iowa in a big game. It doesn't matter what sport. I think we could go on record and just say, if Iowa has an opportunity to do something great, they're going to soil it. Let's 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 uh, hope that's not the case for the women because I want to see uh, Iowa versus UConn. I want to see Caitlin Curry versus uh, uh, Paige Paige Buchers Beckers. Yeah, Buchers. do not Both say just it. Like, it up. Yeah, Paige Paige B. B. Do not yeah, Paige B. Paige Buchers, I believe. Buchers, okay. and uh, yeah, like lights out shooters. Can't really argue with their skills. Honestly, they're. They're incredible basketball players. So if they could play each other in the end, that would be must-see TV because, yeah. uh, like you said, uh, they are both they can both shoot from way outside. Yeah, also both of them have a relationship with Steph Curry, which I just think is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, hey, yeah. like, legitimately, like, knows his family personally. And actually, I'm not sure that Caitlin has a relationship with Steph Curry. She just plays like Steph Curry. So it's like yeah. a very much Steph Curry disciple and then like someone that actually knows Steph Curry personally. And I think that's funny. I think Paige yeah. would be the if there's not already one, I think Paige would be the first woman to like sign to the Curry brand. Now that he has yeah, his own brand. Sense. Yeah, like I this think uh, already because of NIL. It's interesting. I, she had a cool video with her NIL stuff where she had like a deal with like Flight Club. That's the shoe company, right? That does like reselling and all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yep. And she gave all of her teammates, all nice, her teammates shoes. like nice shoes. Yeah, that was really cool. I think, I, I think a lot of people like, you know, we can talk about the foundation. We can talk about all that stuff. But like we, we, beat, we beat this one every time. Like NIL is awesome. Like that's like those those videos are always cool. 
Like, uh, even though we're not, I'm not a fan of USC, like seeing uh, Caleb Williams giving the basketball teams, both the men's and women's beats to go to the, like, it's definitely all public and like for that. But like players should be able to be able to do this stuff. And it's really awesome. And like, I think this is the first NCAA tournament where we've had NIL. So it's been interesting to see how some of these opportunities have been maximized. Yeah, and I, there are very few things that I'm a sucker for, but I mentioned this on the last show or a couple shows before. I'm a sucker for uh, sports teams, um, you know, supporting each other, you know, like men's basketball yeah, sporting. For sure. I mean, men's basketball supporting women's basketball kind of happens because they're basketball players, but like, you know, football supporting softball and like that kind of stuff. So even if it yeah. is publicity and stuff like that, I like that he gave the women. I didn't know he did it for the men's too, but I like that he went to the women's basketball team and gave them beats and stuff like that. Like, I think that's cool. Uh, you yeah, know, I mean, use your fame for like helping others. Like, even though, like, you know, like it's cool. It's just cool stuff. That's what we're talking about today on the show. We're just talking about cool stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so getting into it, March Madness is here. Um, I know it's Thursday when we're recording this show. It, it's been – it's already been a rough go of it for me. I've got three total brackets I've built. Two of them had Iowa going incredibly deep into the tournament. Like I said, I had one in the final four. I, I, I was telling my friend today when they were losing, I'm like, you know, I kept picking Iowa and I kept looking at the matchups and I kept saying like, hey, this one's a good matchup. Like, like – because I like to pick the games individually. I don't like to think about, like, five games ahead. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I'm just picking teams versus each other. Then I was in the final four, and I'm like, okay, well, I kind of like them to beat this team. And I'm like, why are they in the championship? I'm thinking that to myself now. As that, happened to me last year. that happened to me last year with Ohio State. And it's like I tell people, especially with basketball, I am not an Ohio State homer. I literally, like, I went through each and every one of them. And I really like Ohio State can win every single one of these games. And then, of course, they didn't. But, like, I had them, like, in all the way up to at least the Elite Eight, I believe. And I'm just like, they could win this game. They could win this game. They could win this game. And then they, you know, clearly did not. And I looked like an idiot. And my bracket was ruined immediately. Yeah, no, that's how I feel. I mean, that's honestly the fun of it, though, is like it did, like you could take the most intensive research data oriented strategy and use a computer to run a million simulations and all that stuff to pick a perfect bracket that could be busted in a day. You could literally pick team based on color and end up winning your whole bracket challenge. So, like, at the end of the day, it's like all luck, but outside um, of that Ohio State plays you guys will probably listen to the show if they have already played you could skip this section because well the show's going to release right before they play but if you listen to it right away when it comes out Ohio State's playing Loyola of Chicago and then the winner of Villanova and whoever they play so if they win against Loyola how do you feel about the Ohio State playing tomorrow do you have any confidence in this team you know they've been kind of struggling they've been up and down Mostly down, down the stretch. But I think coming off some rest, I, I'm feeling confident. How are you feeling about it? So I'm going to contradict myself. I think they're going to lose. But as I said to you before we started recording, I've noticed a trend with Ohio State. And it is simply, if they do good in the Big Ten tournament, they lose early. If they don't do good in the Big Ten tournament, they typically have a nice little run. So I think they're going to lose. 
I would not put my money on them winning, but I would not be surprised if they make like the Sweet 16 solely off of the theory that I have that they can just not do good in both. It's one or the other. So I don't know if that really answers your question. I, I hedge my bets, but not really, because I like if I was betting, I would bet on them to lose. I just feel like for some reason they can just never do both, and so this might be the year yeah. that they have to win some tournament games. This is that type of team. I feel like everybody's counted them out, and I just have a feeling like the personality of Holtman is like backs against the wall. I'm going to get a W here, and I'm going to show everybody, hey, we're going to get through the round of 64. And then the very next game, you have an extremely winnable matchup, regardless of who you play. And if he wins those two and he gets to the Sweet 16, I think with all the injuries and everything considered, this year is an extreme success. That being said, I think getting Kyle Young back, who seems to be more full speed, and even like half of Zed Key back, just to be able to go in and play, give Joey Brunk, EJ Liddell, Kyle Young some rest, like that's a huge advantage that they haven't had down the stretch. They didn't have the in three of the last four games. So like, and when they did have Zed Key back, he re-injured himself immediately. So it it's really interesting. I think. You're going to need a great showing from EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham. I don't think anyone can answer that. And you're going to need a really, really great game defensively from the guards, which that worries me. That worries the hell out of me because we have not seen Ohio State be an average defensive team the second half of this season, let alone good enough to make me feel confident in them stopping anybody. I'm just really glad we're not playing Oral Roberts with Max Abmus because he would eat this defense alive. So um, this year, Loyola's, I mean, I feel like Loyola is a team that a lot of people are hyping up because they made a couple of recent tournament runs that were very big deals and stuff. They've got a really young hotshot coach uh, in Valentine. It just feels like they're a very popular upset pick. And like we saw today, South Dakota State was the very popular upset pick. And then... Providence did exactly what they were supposed to do and won the game. So I think with the doubters for Ohio State combined with, I think, EJ getting enough rest, I think Malachi getting some rest, you know, you kind of see the end of the season was weighing on him a little bit. I, I'm feeling pretty good. But I'm also you, – you can never feel that good with this team because you just don't know. And like I said, you contradicted yourself. I'm contradicting myself. This team's a contradiction. It's a walking contradiction. And that's why it's fun to me. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that is why the tournament is what it is. That's why the tournament is always so fun. Yeah, if it wasn't, and, I mean, if it wasn't a contradiction, nobody would care. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of funny. We've already seen some upsets today. Like, as we're recording, Kentucky's only up four against a team I've never really even heard of. So, like, anything could happen. And, like, I think Ohio State fans I came into this tournament very negatively and – I, I think we just got to flip the switch. I think this can be fun. I think there is very much potential to make a run. Because there's no – like, if we look top to bottom, there's not really a dominant team. Like, even Gonzaga struggled today before they went on, like, this offensive explosion. Like, I just – I can't say confidently that I have a champion in mind. I mean, I have a steadfast rule, and it's literally never believe in Gonzaga. They're, yeah. they're, they're never going to do it. It's, they're just Death they're taxes just not. and they're Gonzaga coming up short. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, it is what it is. Like, think about it. There's a reason why they're always such a good team, but has never won a championship. Gonzaga is always going to come up short. Yeah, you know, with Gonzaga, I, I, they're just they're just not tough, you know. And you got to be tough to win in March. And the closest they were to being tough was when they had a football player playing point guard and Jalen Suggs. And even still, they came up short. Because I like Chet Holmgren, I like I like a lot of the players on their team, but like he, if you couldn't win with the gritty Corey Kisper, with Drew Timmy, with Jalen Suggs, I just don't see him getting it done. And that's just that's just it's just the truth. I think the team I like the most, like obviously I'm going to root for Ohio State, but the team I like the most is Baylor. And I know it's rare back to back championships is tough, but they just play basketball the right way. They play unselfish offensively. They play really good defense. And I, I just think Scott Drew's kind of figured out marks like that survive in advance mantra. I think he's kind of. Got, you can't really have it down to a science, but I think he has done a job of minimizing the weaknesses on his roster, which is a huge part of winning in March. True, 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 true. Um, I don't know who I like, honestly. I feel like it's like Auburn, but like, do do I really trust? Like, Auburn had a good season, so do I really trust that they're going to be good in the tournament? That's hard to do. Uh, the conspiracy theorist in me is wondering if Duke is going to win it all. Like, I, there, I do not believe that all sports are rigged, but I believe that there are a few championships that are rigged, and it is almost always around tragedy or someone retiring. And yeah, so I- Duke winning would fit. I don't like, especially because I just don't think they're good enough to win. So, like, if they win, I think it's rigged. So, like, I, while I don't believe in them, are they going to make a quote unquote shocking run? Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just watching, honestly. I think that's one of the fun things about not really paying attention to basketball. You don't go into it with no expectations. You just get to watch yeah. them play. And, you know, it's all fun. You get to learn about all the players. Yeah. I mean, like, outside of like, I, I pretty much exclusively watch Big Ten basketball this year. Like, I watch the occasional, like, Baylor or Texas or Texas Tech game because those games were a lot of fun. But, like, outside of that, like, it's really like there is no part of me that was going to watch a St. Mary's game on uh, a Wednesday night. Like hmm. this was never going to happen. So it's really fun seeing these teams and the different play styles. And like in the NBA, you kind of get this very definitive. There's one way to play basketball type of deal. And you're either a team that runs a lot of high pick and roll or you run a lot of screens to get shooters open. In college basketball, there's like a million ways to win basketball games, and I think that's one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you never see a team just sit in 2 3 zone in the NBA. Yeah, Yeah, that is true. That is true. They, I mean, it's just like, it's just like college football. I mean, college sports in general, they just do more. Yeah, there's just more variety to it, and that's fun. NFL teams almost never press anymore either. And yeah, I've watched a bunch of games where they press. And it's funny because, like, you can tell which teams don't pre- don't um, uh, don't practice press beaters. Like, that's how yeah. – um, that's how uh, Indiana – no, that's the game that's on right now. That's how Rutgers – no. Who just lost in double overtime? Was that Indiana? No, the Indiana game Rutgers was on Rutgers right won in double overtime. Notre they Dame lost. lost in double overtime. No, Notre Dame beat Rutgers. No, Rutgers won. 
No, they didn't. I just watched that game. No, they didn't. No, no, I thought Rutgers won. Nope. Uh, yeah, but that's how Rutgers lost to Notre Dame because Notre Dame pressed them, and they didn't know oh, what to do. Shoot, you're right. Yeah, and and they turned the ball over. They threw. They get. They gave away a turnover on an out of bounds play, and that's essentially what sent it to the first overtime, I believe. Oh yeah, no, yeah, pressing. Yeah, I don't know how you don't work in pressing in basketball. That's incredible. I thought they won. They must have. They blew a late lead then because I went to bed. Can't stay up that late anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I finished that game. They had Notre Dame won. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean it's Mark. It's fun. We're not even basketball guys. We just spent fifteen minute talk, fifteen minutes talking about basketball. So you want to get into football now? Uh, yeah, you know I'm ready. You know I'm ready. Yeah, let's get into football. I think that's what the people are here for. Football. Uh, spring break, no practices this week. Very light on news. Very, very nice for us, actually. We kind of got a nice little break. The NFL kind of really tried to test us this week, me and you being NFL fans as well. But I, I think with this week off, you know, we kind of got that first week of spring. We kind of got to, like, hear everybody write their articles. Like, who are these guys who impressed in the first week of spring? You've been around football programs. I've been around football programs. The first week of spring's cool, but you really don't learn much. No. It's just about kind of getting people back into the swing of things. You know, you kind of get back into using practice periods. Like, yeah, like some of the players who flash were obvious. Like Cameron Babb being healthy is going to make him flash because he was a really talented football player. Uh, Chip Trainum, DeMonte Trainum from Arizona State, the transfer. Like, he's new. Everyone's going to be watching this guy. So, I, I really don't have any strong takeaways from spring practice last week. I think the offense is going to be really good. I think the defense, I, I really loved hearing everything the coaches had to say last week. I think it gives me a lot of confidence coming through spring. Uh, but I, I think what I wanted to talk about today was there are some question marks on the roster. Not really, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any glaring holes on the roster, but there are some question marks at certain positions. And, you know, we could go down the list like running back, we're set. Quarterback, set. Receiver, I don't think you could be more set than what we have at receiver. Cornerback, uh, we've got a lot of starters going back. There's a lot of depth there relatively said i think there's some questions of safeties but it's more where everyone's going to be like the personnel types that they use like are there going to be rotations to match certain packages those are more strategic questions there's there's good players at those positions but then there's a couple positions where i'm just kind of curious like whether it's a talent deficiency whether there's no experience whether it's a new look and we're just not sure how it's going to work like there's some question marks still. And I, I think the first one I want to talk about is the tight end position. Um, we don't have a tight end right now. They could, I mean, me and you could go on the roster and make the roster at least at tight end. Not saying that we're going to play, but, you know, we, we, we get like a month team. of – we get a month of personal training with uh, Coach Mick, and, and we could play tight end. There's nobody. If you give me a month and a half to two months with Coach Mick, I'm probably not going to be as athletic as Mitch Rossi is right now because he's kind of been training for the last, like, 15 years of his life. And I took, like, a three-year gap. But I'm not going to be as far off as I'd, I'd say. I'd, I'd, I could catch the football. I could go out and lead block. I'm – 
Oh. You put some more muscle on my frame because I got a little softer. Like, I could be a fullback. I could be that H-back type. You put me in on senior day, everyone will get excited. It's cool. It's all good. But, yeah, it's just not a position where there's a lot of names. I mean, I can't even think of his name. There's only one real tight end in the room. There's two with the freshman. But it's like he's going to have to start. I can't even think of his name. Yeah, and the that's the actual tight end because Mitch Rossi's a fullback. Um, the guy, oh Rossi my god, I'm, walk, but I'm really losing names right now. What is uh, what is the guy? G Scott is yeah. you know not a tight end, and then there's the the guy that's going to be a freshman. I can't think of his name. So who is the tight? Who yeah. is the real tight end on the roster? It's his second or third year. Uh, it's, it's Sam Hart, right? That's his name. Yeah, I think so. He's uh, it's gonna have to be him, and who knows if he's ready? But he's the only option. He's the only real tight yeah. end in the room. You've got Sam Hart. Uh, you've got Bennett Christensen coming in. You've got uh, you've got G Scott, who's the hybrid type. Is he gonna be the level he needs to be as a blocker to warrant enough playing time? And I know a lot of people are gonna be like, he doesn't need to be a blocker. I'm just gonna let you guys know. And Kevin Wilson, if he's gonna play, you've got to block. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. what you can do as a receiver. It's one of those old guy, like, we're not just going to use him as a gadget player. He needs to earn his playing time as a blocker to get on here. And I'm like, all right, cool. But it's not going to be that way. Uh, on the official roster for 22-23, Cade Stover still technically listed as a tight end, which he's going to be an interesting player to follow for a lot of reasons because – last thing we heard was he's playing defense, but could we have a two-way Buckeye in Kate Stover? No. Like a situational defensive player and a like part-time offensive player. I think uh, Jim Knowles' defense is too demanding for that. Yeah, mentally, I, I kind of agree with that. I think that's just I, an interesting question to pose. Yeah, it would be cool. I just think, and I think with under the previous defensive regime, regime he could have done that. He for sure could have done that. I yeah. don't think he can do it under Knowles, though. Yeah, we've got walk-on Zach Herbstreet, son. G. Scott's wearing 88 now. That's pretty cool. I, I, I dig that. So, yeah, we've got Joe Royer. We've got uh, Sam Hart. We've got Bennett Christian. Those are the three true tight ends. Uh, Royer from Cincinnati needed a lot of weight before he was able to play. It says he's listed at 245 now. Yeah, Bennett Christensen coming in 6'6", 245. I don't think you've ever, like, I don't think Ohio State's brought in a body so ready to play tight end. So that's why he's exciting. And then yeah. you, like, move a little further. Like, I, I think it's, I think you've got a good group of players here that could get it done. It's just, we've never really seen any of them. We haven't seen any of them play. Yeah, so I think I think that's you being optimist, optimistic. I'm not gonna say it's a good group. <laughs> like, oh wow, that's hilarious. I'm sorry. Are, are you watching the Indiana St. Mary's game? Uh, I've got the New Mexico UConn game on because there's okay. money on that one for me. Okay, so the ball just got stuck behind the um the at the top behind the backboard. You know that very Oof. top railing behind it. Yeah, the ref is short and so they were trying to use the little mop thing and he couldn't reach it with the mop well one of the tall players tried to step on a chair to do it and they wouldn't let him I'm guessing because he's a player so ultimately yeah ultimately 
they literally like two cheerleaders just did like the thing where they where like the male cheerleader holds the the woman cheerleader up on his hands. They just did that, and the cheerleader went up and got the basketball. Yeah, that's what they say. Modern <laughs> problems need modern solutions. Yeah, and it's just funny because like the player would have been tall enough with the little broomstick, and it was so much harder yeah. to make like the cheerleader go up in the air and like balance on somebody's hands. Which I know they do that and for like they, tricks and stuff, but to balance on somebody's hands so they could get the ball. But it's like, yeah, I just thought that was funny. I've never seen them get a ball like that. Like it's like yeah, where the cheerleaders at? Like, it seems the, unnecessary, honestly. Yeah, but they wouldn't well, let the play, they wouldn't let the player do it. They wouldn't let him just like, and he's tall. He's like seven foot. He could just you know whatever. But I guess. It. No, it was it was the very top. He he still had to step on the uh, chair. Yeah, but I, I I feel like yeah, I think I'm optimistic about the tight end position. I won't uh, say it's a good group. I think it'll be a good group next year when we have I Sam Hart, had... Christian, and the two tight ends that we're going to recruit this year. I'm not sure. I think that this this group is going to be a liability. I, I wish we had one more. I wish we had a more experienced guy in the room, even if it's like a Rashad Berry type or a Luke Farrell type, you know, because these guys might be really talented, but there's still going to be a lot of demand from this position. And I think a lot of people like, yes, Jerry Rucker didn't get the ball a lot, but he had a huge part in the offensive game plan as a blocker as a receiver and there's there's a there's a big demand from the position that I don't think a lot of fans really understand because it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Yeah. I honestly I think Sam Hart's tight end one. I mean he's young. This is only his second season, but he 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 enrolled early last year. So this is his, you know, he had a, a full off season, a full season and this is another off season. I think he's yeah. tight end one. I don't I don't know if he's good, you know what I mean, but I yeah, think he's going to be tight end one. Yeah, and I, I, that's like the hardest part about this position. That's why it's like the one I wanted to start with because this is one you we really just like have no idea what this position is and can be by the time fall gets here. Yeah. And it's what no one's talking about, honestly. Like no one's really talking about the tight end. It's because it's not exciting, and I think a lot of people overlook it because the usage in the passing game isn't very great, but. This is a crucial position in the run game and run design. And we do a lot of split action where the tight end's responsible for kicking out the opposite end or the opposite outside linebacker. And there's a lot of responsibility with double teams and in blocking schemes that it takes a while to pick up. And it's just it's just the little things that aren't talked about enough. And that's kind of where I'm a little worried about this position is there's a lot of inexperience. Does that impact the running game negatively? Does that impact what we can do in that regard? And I, I don't think a lot because we have super talented running backs, but it's definitely a question that like gets brought up. And I think this, and we're going to talk about this after the break, but I like, we might need to bring in a transfer just to have a more experienced voice in the room, a more experienced body in the room. Yeah, so I I'm just gonna be completely honest. I've just changed my entire mind on Sam Hart. I'm excited for him and I'll tell you why. First of all, I just looked up his bio, right? It says I'm guessing this from last year, maybe it's this year. It says he's six five, two forty-five. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty small. I looked up Jeremy Record. Jeremy Record is listed at six five two fifty two. So that seven pounds doesn't really matter. I was thinking no. like he needed to get to like two sixty. But do you wanna know why I'm really excited for him? Do you read his high school stats? No. 
his high school stats weren't great. I'm excited for him, and this is why. An outstanding wrestler who was the 200-pound Colorado State champion as a senior with a 38-0 record. He can block. He can block. He can block. He can block. Like, like, for, like, I love my offensive lineman who can wrestle tight end, a blocking tight end, and that's the thing. Like, He's going to understand leverage. He's going to understand hand placement. He's going to be flexible. Like, Those are those kind of things that you need as a tight end, blocking, because every tight end is undersized, blocking defensive ends and stuff. I don't know if he can catch. I don't know. But like as far as blocking yeah. with you know two full off seasons under him now and that wrestling background, I think it's gonna be good. I'm excited for him. I we'll see if he can catch, but that's not that doesn't even matter. We have like seventeen good wide receivers. He doesn't he yeah. never needs to catch a pass. I think and I think I'm he, sure he's good enough at catching to catch those easy ones when they get them wide open by yeah. design. Yeah. Um I'm, I'm yeah, I'm excited. That and and he made the state wrestling finals as a sophomore in 2019. So the dude can the dude's an athlete. I think yeah. I think that's one thing Ohio State's done a good job at is getting like really solid athletes they can develop into the position. But I think they've really and I know we always make fun of Kevin Wilson for not recruiting. Like what does he do when we always say that stuff? But like I feel like his room for his position has been built up pretty well. Ah, that's a lie. <laughs> like from like a physical standpoint, like when you look at all the body types, 6'6", 245, 6'5", 245, it's like they're all the same player. So my biggest concern, though, is he doesn't get tight ends that match what Ohio State does. He gets receiving tight ends and tries to turn them into blockers, and that's just backwards. Ohio State really should be getting, you know, 6'5", 260, 270 tight ends who, and then teaching them how to catch. Like, they get all these, like, super athletes who can run fast and all this other kind of stuff, and then they take three years to develop because they've never blocked before. So, like, yeah. I don't really like I don't really agree with that because they don't recruit how they're supposed to. And then we see these tight ends make these ridiculous catches. Fans go in a frenzy and they never do that again. Like we need that tight end like Brock Bowers, who, I mean, he caught more. So maybe that's not the one I'm thinking of, but I think it is like Brock Bowers, Georgia. That kid is huge. And he's a very good yeah. blocker. Like we need the, or maybe it's the Alabama tight end thing. But I don't know. Either way. They don't recruit tight end to what they want the tight ends to do. And so I can't give him credit for that. Yeah, I, I think I think they uh, I think they've done a very good job of like getting the same player, which is something when you're building a room you kinda want because that means the drop off. Like mathematic like when you look at it, you're like, okay, this guy should be very similar to this guy. But I, I do kind of miss the days where it's like a Rashad Berry or like a Luke Farrell or like a Jake Hosman where you know exactly what you're getting. They're a little bit bigger. They might not be the most elite receiver, but it doesn't matter because you have three elite receivers. Because like you said, it doesn't matter how good of a receiver you are at Ohio State. You just have to be a passable pass catcher and you'll be a successful tight end. Yes. Because out, outside of Jeremy Ruckert's amazing catch against Wisconsin, like most of his other catches were – just solid like catches you should make. Yep. I mean that's uh, that's really that, all you need. And that's the role Ohio State wants their tight ends to fit. So but they don't recruit yeah, to that. But yeah, this is definitely a position we're gonna follow probably for the entire offseason. It's one I'm excited to see in the spring. Yeah, I want to see who the first tight end in the spring game is. Yeah, I'm about to I'm about to how wait they, for 
Yeah, yeah we're going to be the landest to uh, redo another mailbag so I can ask him tight end questions. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, the next position group, linebacker. All right. Uh, we love linebackers here. Uh, it's, it's a great position. We've got quite a few players at this position, a big group, like a lot of players actually, like a lot. And it's Jim Knowles' position group. Like Jim Knowles is the linebackers coach. It's extremely – it's going to be an extremely public position. It's going to be a position that, you know, there's been a lot of inconsistent play from it the last few years, whether it be because Tough Borland's a little slow, whether it be young and experienced last year. And a lot of fans are very much interested in this position because they want to get back to those silver bullet days. And I think this position group is very interesting. You've got Steel Chambers, a former running back playing linebacker. You've got Diamante Trainum, Chip Trainum, uh, transferred in, played running back at Arizona State, now playing linebacker, two great athletes. You've got C.J. Hicks coming in. You've got Tommy Eichenberg, who improved at the end of last year. You've got a bunch of guys who um, – Cody Simon was a guy who battled injuries throughout the second half. You tell he's inexperienced, pretty raw. You've got recruits like Reed Carrico, Gabe Powers. Like, you've got a lot of names here. That's before we get to Palio Natiote. Like – there's a huge group. There's a ton of potential players in this room. And I, I'm really, really interested in it, you know, because, like, we've seen what Jim Knowles has built with the talent he's had. And it's not a knock on Oklahoma State, but we're really kind of I, – I, I don't think Jim Knowles has ever had the the – players with the pedigree athletically that he has at Ohio State. And I think that's interesting to me. And we talked about this last week with the defensive back position with a couple of the positions where, you know, this is a new coaching staff. We're going to get new eyes on these players. We're going to see what these players can do. And we might see some surprise names, you know. So it's just kind of like who plays, how's this position look, uh, is it going to be better than last year? I'd hope so if the defensive coordinator that's responsible for a turnaround is. So there's just a lot of questions surrounding this position in the offseason. Yeah, and I think the one question you didn't answer is who transfers. Yeah. There are, oh, yeah. There are too many linebackers. Um, there have been too many linebackers for a while, and there's not that many good ones, and then they keep recruiting them. And so it's like um, – According to Bill Landis, Ohio State is roughly five or six scholarships over the limit. They're at 90, and they need to get to 85. And so, you know, they're, and I'm pulling it up so I can say the exact numbers that he has. Um, but there is a lot of linebackers, and there's a lot of safeties. Yeah, just and, going through a control F on the roster, it, it seems like there's 15 linebackers on the roster. Yeah, so there are... And, and, and that's that's a lot of there's linebackers. Thir- there's 13 safeties and 11 linebackers. Are those the scholarship backers? Yep. Well, I mean... That's a lot. 
Yeah, because he because the, the question asked about scholarship numbers. So yeah, 13, gotcha. 13 safeties for three positions and eleven linebackers for essentially two positions. That's insane. Yeah. So in in reality, you'd probably want to be about eight deep at the linebacker position with younger guys developing. And, you know, it's I honestly think it would be the older guys who'd leave, if anything. Like, I I don't I just don't see a place where Taraja Mitchell fits in this rotation, if I'm being 100 percent honest. Yeah, I mean, and he would, you know, solidify the trio of guys that we thought were going to be good and ended up weren't that transferred because he was in the same class as the other two guys. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that like I have no ill will towards Taraja Mitchell. He's done everything he could for the program. He's been there. He's said all the right things. He's had great effort. It's just there. Sometimes you just don't have what you need for this position. He's just a traditional, old school, big middle linebacker, and it's just not something Ohio State has right now. Send him to Kent State. Yeah, please forever. Send him to Kent State, please. Because I don't like Taraja Mitchell is not a bad player. Like he's not. He's just not what Ohio State wants, and he's not the type of defensive player that Ohio State is playing right now. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like, he's not bad. It's just there's a limited number of players who can play, and they're looking for certain things. And so, I mean, you can't play 13, 11 people in two spots. Yeah, I I think the rotation at most is four or five, and you could probably, you know, there's going to be matchups where you need those additional bodies at linebacker, but we really don't have that many teams on the schedule that do that anymore. I think you need the extra linebacker against Michigan. I think you need the extra linebacker against the Wisconsin. But even and, speaking of that extra linebacker, is it going to be Taraja Mitchell or is it going to be uh, Tommy Eichenberg? It'll probably be Tommy Eichenberg or so you know, CJ Hicks, who's not in the rotation as a starter, but like plays a lot and he just bumps out and plays Sam or something. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm tempering my expectations on CJ because if he doesn't start, yeah. I'm gonna be sad. So I am. I'm considering him a red shirt, and and I understand for people who are ready to yell at me. I think he is too talented to red shirt. I am considering him a red shirt until I see and hear otherwise because I'm gonna get way too excited if I don't. So this is for me. I'm not trying to temper your expectations or anyone else's. I just cannot think of CJ Hicks yeah. starting because once I go down that road, yeah, he is. You're not so coming like, back. Yeah, You're not coming road, back. Once I go down that road, I'm going to be on here saying CJ Hicks is starting from day one, and that's not the road you want me on in March. <laughs> like, yeah, and you know, like I, I love Tommy, but I, I does he have a definitive place on this team? Like, does he? You know, he's a junior. I think, I think Tommy has a definitive place. I think Tommy is the first linebacker on the field when they play a traditional 4-3. I think he's, yeah, I think I he's the first middle backer, and we saw that with Utah. So I think yeah. he would stay because I and think he he'll really play well. Yeah, I think he'll play enough where it'll warrant it. And he'll also play against the bad teams where it doesn't matter your profile because he's just going to be bigger yeah, and faster and stronger. 15 tackles in – not even garbage time. Just he's just gonna yeah, get. I mean, like tackles. we don't we don't play Akron this year, but like for those teams, like he's gonna be fine. And yeah. then, so I think I mean I think he gets two hundred two hundred snaps, something like that. That's happy for him. I don't know that you know, Taraja Mitchell or even or Mitchell Melton. Mitchell Mitchell Melton is a player, right? I didn't make that name up. Yeah, he's still here. Yeah, I don't he's see a young guy still. He's only a sophomore. Is he okay? So maybe he sticks around. 
Um, Taraji Mitchell, yeah. Mitchell Melton, which is names. We got Jaden, yeah. Jaden, Jalen. Like it's like Jesus. And you got yeah, and it's just like, and I know we we keep saying this, but it's a lot of players in a room that you know maybe some of them switch to Leo and we kind of fill out that position from this group but like this linebacker group really doesn't have those types of players like the only one who was like close was Kate Stover and that's because that's what he kind of did in the Rose Bowl yeah and that's really it like Tommy Eichenberg can't play Leo no offense Tommy but like it's just not the type of athlete he is he knows Uh, he can't play Leo so, so I have a, so, I have a. Let's let, can we go down a rabbit hole for thirty seconds? Let's do it. And it's an pot. Um, what is the what is the likelihood that Jim Knowles does not have a Leo or does not make it that big of a focus because Ohio State has the athletes? Like, like is a, like so. What I guess let me ask this in a better way. Is Leo, in your opinion, because we don't know for sure, is yeah. Leo a staple in the Jim Knows defense, or is it an equalizer because he had less te- lesser teams and lesser talent? Do you really want a Leo when you have you have Zach Harrison, JTT, you have Sawyer, the three guys that came in? Like, do you really want to take one of those guys off and put a hole there when you have? I mean, we just got three studs. I'm not even going to try to remember their name. But we just got three studs in this class, two studs in the last class. Um, they're finally getting some real one and three techniques like Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams and stuff like that. Is there a chance, yeah. in your opinion, that we don't do that because we don't need it? Yeah, you know, it could be like – remember the in a situation where it was the bullet position and it just never really ever actually happened? Yeah. They just used a cover safety. Yeah. Um, it could be similar to that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's because the if it's philosophical and his defense is about going on offense, maybe it's not a Leo. Maybe it's like a redefined linebacker. Maybe it's something else that's the Leo. You know, because it's a player he likes to use as a chess piece to equalize the defense, right, or the offense and attack them. So philosophically, I think there's going to be something in that regard, but. I think you're onto something. Like, it's really hard for me to mentally say, like, why would we limit ourselves with a pretty talented room of defensive linemen? Like, I, I don't think there's a Chase Young in the room or anything, but like top to bottom, I think our seven or eight guys who are going to play a lot are I put them up against most in the country. You know, I mean, are like, you telling me you don't want two full years? of Jack Sawyer, JTT on the ends across from each other. And I think that's something where I, yeah, I, I think that's actually a really good point. Cause like Jim Knowles is Leo. His past few years has been around a 230, 240 pound guy. He could do a lot of things. Uh, he did talk about it in his press conference, but you know, there's stuff that you can do where like, even if you're still running the traditional four two, you can still have that body type against certain matchups to, like I said, equalize. So like he could, you could still have it, but maybe it's not as like present as it had been for Jim. Mills. Yeah. Cause I'm going to be completely honest. I love the Leo as a concept. I love it because it's going to put people in a blender and it's going to make people actually learn football. 
looking at this roster, I don't actually want the. It's not built. It's not built for that. It's it's really like it's 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 built for a classic four two five. And not only is it not built for that, I don't want them to start recruiting for it. And this is just and like, listen, I am not saying I'm smarter than Jim Knowles. If that is what he needs, get it. And the defense is going to be great. I'm just saying if it is not 100 percent necessary and the defense can be good without it, I would rather two studs. Day one, day absolutely one. And it's not going to happen this way. But day one, you could give me Jack Sawyer, Tyreek Williams, Mike Hall, JTT as the starting defensive line. And I would say nothing. And even if yeah, they started out slow because they're all young, by the end of the season, I believe that they'd be dominant. You throw in yeah, and Zach Harrison, but if the number one defensive line that walked out was those four, I'd be completely happy. Yeah, no, I, I fully, I fully agree with that. And I, I just think it's interesting. Cause like, like I think Zach Harrison and Jack Sawyer could both do Leo things, and you'd still technically have that traditional four two five if you just like change their name to Leo. Like it would still be the yeah. same thing, just in a different shape. And I think that's an interesting question. And I know we always make the joke. It's like Zach Harrison's already two hundred seventy pounds. Like why don't we just move him to a three technique, make him to Forrest Buckner, that's, just let him. I, I'm not joking at his, all. <laughs> drink a ton of protein shakes just let him get up to 290 and just let him be a freak athlete as a three technique you know yeah, these are the questions but the force eric armstead mode mold this is this is where our heads at because guess what like i said and we're gonna take a quick break and go to the last question mark which is in fact defensive line so we're gonna talk a little bit more in detail about it uh we've got a lot of questions like the linebacker room so many players who's gonna play how does this roster situation break down? And that's just that's just where we're at. But we'll see you guys on the other side of this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back in, everybody. This hero is Christopher Rennie. Thank you for joining us today. Before we sent you to the ad break, we were talking about the positions with the biggest question marks. We covered the tight ends. We went on a little tangent with the linebackers, but the Leo position is a hybrid. I think we kind of use that in both. But linebacker-wise, like I think I think it's going to be a really good group. I don't think I have any worries about the group itself from a talent standpoint. I think there's players, and I think Jim Knowles has done a really good job with linebacker groups his entire career, which is why he's a very heralded linebackers coach. But – uh, the defensive line's a different one, and it's there's not a lot of question marks on who's going to play. It's more about how many snaps they're going to get, who's going to be the main guys, like what's the defensive line actually look like on the field, which is kind of the rabbit hole we went down before the break. But you put out your dream defensive line starters with Sawyer, Hall, uh, Williams, and uh, JT Tuomaleo. Um 
It's a great group. I, I think, you know, you've got guys like Javante Jean-Baptiste who's back. You've got guys like Tyler Friday who's coming back from injury. You've got Zach Harrison who, you know, has had moments in his career but has never fully put together any dominant stretches. Like, there's question marks in a different sense with this group, and I, I just kind of want to touch on some of these players. Like, oh, all the players last year, like, and I, I think – the easy picks are JTT or JT. Sorry, guys. I, I, it's forced to have it. Recruiting killed me. Uh, Jack Sawyer. Uh, those are the easy answers on who are going to be like the biggest like improvements next year. But like, are there any other names kind of around the defensive line, like one end, one interior guy that you're just excited to watch next year? I mean, for me, it's it's Mike Hall. And I keep saying his name because he like he was a borderline top 50 guy. And we talked about last week, I believe, why, you know, no one really talks about him. But for some reason, he didn't play a lot last year. I don't know what it is because Tyleek played not as much as we wanted to. But like, I don't know if he he wasn't ready, if that's just his position is where more of the log jam was, which it could make sense at the three tech. I'm not exactly sure. But for me, my answer is definitely my call. Uh, and then my other answer is Jack Sawyer. And it's largely because I won't say I, I won't say it was disappointing because no one's freshman year can be disappointing. But I yeah. thought Jack Sawyer would play more than JT. <laughs> JT obviously came in more physically ready, even though he wasn't here in the spring. So yeah, I want to see what Jack Sawyer would do. Like I, I, I think it's crazy because like Jack Sawyer was probably he's just a little smaller than JT. Like JT's just one of those dudes who's just like, like he's two hundred seventy pounds walking. You know, uh, I liked Mike Hall. I liked. I, I think your. I think your confidence in Mike Hall has really brought my attention to Mike Hall, and I think. I think he's really a name that he might not start, but he's going to be a key crucial player in the rotation, especially on the inside. And that that's a huge step forward because I think you need a big, strong three technique. You know, we're not really sure what we're going to see. There's also a lot of two-eye stuff where you'd want more athletic interior defensive linemen, so you'd get two of those 280, 290 guys on the field at the same time. It, it It's a group – and I think I, I think Teron Vincent is the guy I want to see the most improvement from. I think we finally saw the flash from him in the Rose Bowl. Like, you know, he had battled a ton of injuries in his time, in his first three years, and we finally got to see what he was capable of against Utah. The guy I'm looking at as an edge player, I, I, I kind of just – it's not even really – the mix of Zach Harrison, uh, JT, and Jack Sawyer. I want to see who the depth's going to be behind them, you know, because we've had Javante Jean Baptiste, who's been a really good player, but he's never really done much, you know. We've we've got a lot of defensive ends on this roster who are kind of in that camp, and I just want to see something more from them. So it doesn't need to be. The three guys that you expect to be great, needing to do it all the time. I mean, honestly, for me, I'm within reason. I'm entirely over the old guys. I think so. If obviously, right, you have to see them in practice. They have to earn it, right? If there are players who are close, let's put numbers to it just because. Yeah. If we're playing Madden, right, 
and I actually do this in Madden, funny enough. If Javante Jean Javante Jean Baptiste is an eighty, and um, please give me the name of one of the freshman defensive ends. I don't know why I'm losing their names right now. Um, oh, my other window closed out. Hold on, I got the roster. Oh, you're, losing, you're losing their names too. Um, what is? And I was. It's crazy how we could be so excited for them, and then they get on the roster, and we totally forget their name until they start playing. That's how it works? Because they got Kaden like Curry. they got like three. Okay, boom, perfect. If Javante Jean Baptiste is an eighty, and Caden Curry is a seventy-eight. Or even a seventy-seven, maybe even a seventy-five. I'm playing Caden Curry because I think he has the higher upside and he's going to get better. I think I am a fully on the youth movement. I think we know what these guys are, and so we play them. Not that they don't play, but they are the first backup. I don't think any of them have done enough to earn starting. And I think we need to see what the young guys can do with the most amount of snaps, and then. If you find out they're not good enough, you, you change know the rotation. What you got in the older guys, like but you like, already you know, know what you have. Like you know what We've they seen can them do. For three you years. know their limitations. Zach Harrison is an above average run stopper and yeah, if, a below average pass rusher. But what is Jack Sawyer? JT and Jack Sawyer don't have the highest percentage of snaps. I just don't think their rotation was done correctly because I think they're the two definitively highest upside players on the defensive line. And I just do not like, I want Zach Harrison to succeed. I want him to come back and have a great year. I want him to be a 10 sack guy, but we've seen it. We've seen it three times. He's had the expectations. Defensive line and linebacker. Full youth movement. Um, I'm fine with Josh Proctor as an older guy starting at safety. I'm fine with Ronnie. I'm not even fine. I need Ronnie Hickman to start. Cam Martinez is still a young guy as far as like playing experience. Age, yeah. So playing you know, experience. so he's fine. The only older guys I want to see consistently or even potentially as starters is Josh Proctor and uh, and um, Cameron Cam Brown. Brown. And, and but here's the thing with Cameron Brown. Cameron Brown may start the, next, the first. He may start the first four games and then get replaced because the other guys are ready. I like Cameron Brown. I think he's good. I think he's an NFL corner. I don't think he's the first pick that we the yeah. first round pick that we've had. He just has to get healthy. But like on day one, first snap of the first game, the only guy that have been there for three plus years that I want to see on the first snap is Josh Proctor and Cam Brown. Linebacker. Well. No, no. Oh, I guess who? But who would my starting like first snap of the first game? Who would my starting linebackers be? Honestly, for me, because I don't know if CJ's ready, it would be Chip and it would be Steel Chambers. So, or it'd be yeah. Steel Chambers yeah. and, and CJ Hicks. So even, even still, hey, you said you weren't gonna say that. No, I'm just <laughs> You're right. No, let me go back. Okay, okay, okay. Honestly, give me give me Tommy and, and Steel. Give me Tommy and Steel Chambers. Yeah, I'd, I'd, have, guys. I'd have zero problems with Tommy Eichenberg starting against Notre Dame. No. So, like, I don't want any old guys starting. They can play. Obviously, they're going to play. There are more than enough snaps to go around. We're trying to play 15 or 16 games, however many it is, to win a national championship. The snaps are there. But I don't want any of them starting. I don't want it, like – but ultimately, at the end of the day, we keep talking about this, but the young guys have to earn it. They do. But they have to give them the chance to earn it. You can't go in there and say, Teron Vincent is a starter. 
you know, Cam Brown is a starter. Mm-hmm. Even even though I think he is going to start because I think he's that good, you can't even go in there and say that Josh Proctor is the starter. You can't. And I, I think, you know, I think that's like the exciting thing about a new coaching staff is the eyes change. The depth chart is getting built right now. Every single practice is building a depth chart. So, and what happens now versus what happens in fall camp, like week one, we might not even be talking about some guys who might start for Jim Knowles' defense. And that's kind of the biggest question mark surrounding the defense. So now I have two questions because of what you just said. Question number one, name the guy that you think could start that we're not talking about. Oh, you know who it is. Uh, Court Williams. Okay. Boom. Fair. Number two. That, that actually, That's my dream. That actually goes exactly to what my next question was. This is actually my first question before you said that. Spring ball ends. Josh Proctor transfers. Similar to Brendan, I can't think of his name, who went to Rutgers. And uh, uh, Ronnie, White, Hickman, yeah. Ronnie Hickman is a starting adjuster. How do you feel? I have no complaints, honestly. I, I feel like the way the safeties are used in this position puts them like, it doesn't really, you don't need that Molly Cooker type. You know, you don't. You need guys who could just do everything you need. Like, they're just fixers for the defense. That's so fair. I would not be if it's Court Williams, uh, if it's Court Williams, Ronnie Hickman, and then Tanner McAllister. I don't think that is awful to look at. My, I'm just gonna say, and I reserve the right to change it after. Cam Martinez there too. Like, yeah, put him in. My, so let, let's go through it for me really quickly. My starting defense, ideal. Again, saying all of these players earn it because they have to, is Jack Sawyer, Tyreek Williams, Mike Hall. JT, and then it's Steel Chambers, and I'm saying ideal. This is not what I think is going to happen, but it would be Steel Chambers and CJ Hicks. But since it's not, because I don't think it's going to happen, I'm not putting that out there. Steel Chambers and um, Tommy E, and then we go, we go uh, Denzel Burke, Cam Brown, slash Jordan Hancock. As like a, they play 50 yeah. 50. We've seen we've seen where there's a essentially we've seen that, yeah. the, the seven banks Cam Brown rotation. That's what I want. But with Jordan Hancock, yes, who will be the starter or Jaqueline Johnson? Either one of them. One of those. Well, two I, guys, think they, I think I think Johnson is injured. So I think oh, Jordan yeah, Hancock right. has the 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 step the up. leg up. Yeah, yeah. So J- Jordan a Hancock, Cam Brown with the Cam Brown seven banks rotation, which they rotated almost every two or three series, and then give me Court Williams, Ronnie Hickman at adjuster, and Cam Martinez at nickel. That is my ideal starting defense. Week one. Yeah, I have no complaints with that defense. I think that is a. Zero. I think that is a top thirty defense. I, I'm not yeah, really afraid to jump. Know, I'm honestly, you know what I am. I'm ready to say this defense is going to be in the top fifty. <laughs> oh, well, I said, <laughs> I, said top, I said top thirty. Yeah, I know that, that was I, a little bit of a joke I, there. I, I, yeah, I was saying I'm not ready for them to jump top ten. I think that's going to be year two or three, but yeah. I could see them top. I I could see a top thirty defense. Yeah, is I that think too high? That would be, that would be a great year. place to. Uh, in the '80s, I think. Okay, so maybe I should say like top forty-five, top thirty. Let's is go. Yeah, I think the over/under would be a great one set at thirty-five. I think you could reason because okay. we do play a lot of really bad teams. 
Yeah, like, there's some weak teams, and which, is why we were at, which is why we were at like 80 <laughs> instead yeah. of like 105. <laughs> yeah, because we had we got to play we got to play Akron. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I think yeah. last year we were in the 120s, and there were some. I think in yards per play we were like 123. Jeez. So it was not pretty. It was not great, but yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think we've got a lot of questions. I think that's kind of what I wanted to focus on. I, we did our best to try to answer how they would work out. But, you know, we just don't know. And I, that's why we bought tickets to the spring game. I am not usually a person who even really needs to watch the spring game. But this year, with the whole new defensive coaching staff, I'm extremely excited for it. Yeah, I don't typically care about spring games, and I'm and I'm being completely honest. I'm really only going to the spring game because I already miss football and like to see yeah. like in those. But I don't know. I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be interesting. Um, the ticket's super cheap, so that's why I did. Yeah, it. I'm a whoa. Are you sure it's cheap? Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Could you like? I'm pretty sure they're still for sale. I, I don't know. Ten dollars. Charging if fans. you okay. Ten dollars so is if, a crime. If you guys are still interested in tickets, I'm pretty sure they're still selling. Do not go to SeatGeek. Do not go to Ticketmaster. Just go to the Ohio State website directly, and it's and way cheaper. And get robbed your ten dollars for a spring game. Get robbed, way yeah. too expensive. Of course. Uh, uh, but yeah. So we got the spring game. Uh, we've got a lot of questions. Why? We wanted to take a look at the early parts of the schedule just to kind of see. Well, I mean, we might as well just make this a whole schedule conversation, a quick one. It's all good. We got nothing else really to talk about today. We already kind of touched on the players potentially transferring. But. Oh, wait. Okay. So let me ask you this, though. Who transfers? Uh, like, not man. everyone, but if you had to pick one to three guys who you're like, they're going to transfer, who is it? I'd want this is like completely for his best. Like if he wants to go to the league, I'd want Taraja Mitchell to go play at either like a mid middle tier SEC or ACC no. school the or like a Mac school. Kent State. If he could, if he could go to Kent State and just dominate, like that would be so fun to watch. Like I would love to turn on a Wednesday game and see Taraja Mitchell get like thirty one tackles. Yeah, he's gonna. And he's this gonna... Like I honestly, I like him so much. I wish he could play, but I just don't see yeah. it working out that way. He's gonna have a hundred tackles at Kent State. I tell you that right now. Yeah, and I don't uh, care for all you people who do, who want me to stop talking about Kent. That is my alma mater. I want every not. I want every bucket that's not good enough to go to Kent State. Bryson Shaw, Kent State. Come on, you would start at Kent State. Come on, you would start at Kent State. Do it. Yeah, uh, Bryson Shaw would be good at Kent State. <laughs> You know, see, just just trade Kent State, Bryson Shaw. And, I don't, think, and, I don't and, think Bryson Shaw will ever transfer. I think he's kind of one of those hardos who's just like, yeah. I'm a Buckeye. Like, I was born to be a Buckeye. To be Which completely honest, though, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want him to transfer because he's – he. I think, for one, I think he's going to be better under Jim Knowles because I think everyone's going to be better under Jim Knowles. And we at least know his strengths and weaknesses. And yeah, he and cannot start for you. But if someone gets injured and you need a guy – do you immediately want, off the bench? Do you yeah. Want Bryson no. Shaw or do you want Kai Stokes? I've never seen Kai you know, Stokes. You know Bryson Shaw is going to be prepared. You know he's going he like despite his limitations as an athlete, like 
against bad teams, he wasn't terrible. And like yeah. like you said, he's going to be a better coach. He's going to be in a more safety protective defense because they use three of them and the way they align is very advantageous for them. So, yeah, no, if like, like knock on wood, any of the guys we project as starters go down, like Bryson Shaw on short notice in the third quarter of a game that's like kind of close is not the worst option. And the biggest thing you do, first of all, the biggest thing you do is get better at um, guarding the bunch. Yeah, that's true. And you don't make him cover. You just honestly, the biggest thing with Bryson Shaw is you don't make him make a lot of decisions. His yeah. biggest thing is when he couldn't he couldn't cover that receiver who was open late, who was open yeah, he, because the the corner couldn't cover them, and he didn't make good decisions on when things were in front of him. So don't put things in front of his eyes. Don't let players cross his face, or just teach him how to better stay deep when someone crosses his face. And he is yeah. a serviceable spot starter, serviceable serviceable backup. I would not be surprised if he's the number two. I, I mean. If they move Ryan Higgins to the investor and Josh Proctor doesn't transfer, he'll be the three. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's the number two. He will make a lot of fans mad because I think he's going to play more than like people think. I mean, he was and he started the entire year. He has a he has a lot of like film. he's got a lot of experience. Like and why is the team playing? We're going to see that, and yeah. it's just not going to. It's it's because the coaches trust him. That's what it is. Yeah, his biggest like, you thing. You might not as a fan, but like the coaches. They know more than you. They're paid to know more than you. Yeah, his his biggest weakness. Facts. His his ultimately his biggest weakness is he has issues staying deep when you give him a lot to, lot of stuff to think about and things are in his face. And if you fix that in this defense, he is serviceable. Absolutely. Which, is, and which I, we want more than serviceable, but like I keep saying this all the time. I know it's Ohio State, but not everyone at every single position can be an NFL player and be amazing. Like they like every roster has some sort of a weak link. And if that is him because someone got injured, we're fine. But the other issue with him last year is that he didn't have a backup because his backup was worse. He did. If he, if you can get the third guy, if he's the second guy and you can get the third guy and instead of him playing a hundred snaps a game, it's 50 or it's 60. He's also better. He was like never yeah. off the field because nobody else he could, could play off the field. So, and it, that's like, it's a problematic issue with the safety position. There's a reason they went and got players in the transfer portal. And there's a reason yep. the health of that position was so important because last year, Josh Proctor went down and guess what? There was no depth behind the position and we got Bryson Shaw, but now Bryson Shaw got a ton of valuable experience. You've got more depth behind the position. You've got really talented players. You're going to have players hopefully develop and take some steps like, I think it's a position of strength. So I, I really don't want anyone in the safety room to leave. I don't think there's a name I see in there that I'd be like, yeah, yeah transfer. Someone's going to have to. There's too many of them. There's 13 of them. Someone's yeah. got to leave. Uh, it would probably then come down to, like, I just don't think the defensive line has enough depth, like, fully for someone to go because we saw how much they got injured well, last year. And, like, the dude, funny thing is, the funny thing that, and obviously not all of these players can necessarily play, so it is what it is. The funny thing about the defensive line, there are 17 people in that room. So, like, yeah. numbers-wise, people could transfer, but you would really be trusting the youth movement. 
Yeah, trusting the youth movement and trusting like health because there's like a, a it's not an unreal scenario where you're like Javante John Baptiste ends up starting for some reason. Like that's oh, not don't say that. No, I, not, yeah, it's, it's a knock what on wood. The, what's the guy that we got from Florida? The young guy that 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 uh, he he was like the one of the last people in the class. What is his name? Uh, yeah, it's just I. We, he, I I, let, let him play. Let him play over uh, Javante John Baptiste. Yeah, so it's just like the seventeen in that room. It sounds like a lot, but that's four deep at each position, and that's not even including guys who aren't like actually playable. You know, and like whether they're young, whether they're like a little bit smaller, they're all technically playable. But there's guys that you would be like. If we don't have to play him this year, that'd be great because then he could just develop for next year. Uh, Kenyatta Jackson and or Amari Abor. Yeah, either one of those guys. Let, yeah. one, let, let one of those guys start over uh, Javante yeah, John so, Baptiste. So that leads to the question. I, I think I'd have to lean to the offensive side. Uh, I feel like we we will probably lose one of the running backs. It will probably not be one of the big three. It'll probably be Marcus Crowley. I can see that. And then I don't think any of the receivers will leave. I just feel like that room's actually pretty well spread out age-wise. Yeah. Well, did you hear? Um, um, it would probably be an offensive lineman. Yeah. Did you hear? Oh, God. I don't know who, though. Did you actually? actually, And, you know, again, shout out to him and his bravery and, and everything. I don't know if an offensive lineman needs a transfer because um, Harry, Harry Miller is medically retired. Yeah. Um, but like one of them may. I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, if people want to play football, so I think I could see Marcus Crowley. Did you see? Speaking of running backs, did you see? Um, did you see Chops interview when they yes. asked him how he saw how he thought the rotation could go? I think he. I think I think they like those three, and I think they find a way for them to get a, a significant cool. enough snap snaps that they all three. Um, play, um, especially because none of them are really the guy that you want to, to run the ball thirty times a game. I think you yeah. could get. I think you could do like um, twenty well, yeah, for Henderson, gonna... and then split the rest whichever way whoever's hot for um, Chop and Evan Pryor. Right? Is Evan Pryor? Yeah, yeah. And I will say, so I wrote my draft profile for Master Teague. If you guys want to go check that out, you can. He got 67 carries last year for 355 yards. Like, if that's Evan Pryor's split, like, this year, like, I don't think he could be mad about it. Uh-uh. Like, I, I, I feel like good. if you give those 67 carries to Evan Pryor, that'd be that'd be awesome. Like, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. I think mine, Williams, I think you could go – It'll probably be like a 50, 30, like 15, and then you'll have like 5% for like the garbage time for like the other backs, you know? Yeah, so the way it broke down, it was 183 for Travion, 71 for Mayan, 67 for Master Teague, and then Evan Pryor got 21, Marcus Crowley got 20. So if you get rid of Master Teague, 67. You get rid of Marcus Crowley if he transfers. That's 80 snaps right there. You move Evan Pryor yeah. up. You split that. You can keep Travion Henderson around 180. And then, you know, maybe Mayan Williams gets 100. Give 100 and, to him. And, and Evan Pryor gets 60, 70. Yeah. I think that's enough. 
And I think he could do plenty of damage with those 60 carries to get everybody excited for the one-two punch of Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor the following year. Well, I mean, mine's going to be here a while. Maybe. I don't know, man. It's that's an interesting room because, like, the draft value of running backs, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, Henderson's gone his junior year, but Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor, they, they'll, they'll probably stick it out to their, their third or fourth years. Well, isn't next year, isn't this coming season Mayan's third year? It is his third year. Yeah. So I think my I think Mayan and Travion leave at the same time. And then and then it's Evan Pryor and Richard Young. I think it's his name. Because I'm just like putting yeah, it out in the air that we get him. We get him. Or the freshman that we got this year. I can't think of his name. From Tennessee. Oh yeah. He's good. God, we're Dallin Hayden. Yeah. We are not doing good with names today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a Thursday in the middle of the offseason, guys. Give us give us a little yeah. bit of a break. But also, we, half the names we're saying are people who haven't played. So it's like, you know. Yeah, we're learning with you guys, and we're bringing them up. And, you know, I've taken a break from recruiting because I, I just it, I was on such a hot streak. I just needed to, I just needed to simmer for a little bit. But, yeah, I, I think the two to three transfers, I think it'll be – I think they'll relatively happen naturally. So I don't think I'm too worried about that. Uh, yeah, I agree. But yeah, I think, I, I think there's like, there's a lot of, I mean, there's just so much talent on this football team. Like I, I look around, I don't think, I think Alabama lost a lot for a team that didn't win a championship. I think that's like the most they've lost for a team that didn't. And they, they returned Bryce Young and Will Anderson, which yeah. is crazy. But, like, Georgia's going to be in a high-level rebuild. Yeah. Like, they lost a ton of players. A lot of Alabama like, players. Alabama lost a lot of people to the transfer portal, too, which was hilarious because you remember – and Georgia did, too, actually. You remember, like, when the playoffs were still going on, but Ohio State wasn't yeah. in it, so players were transferring. And people were like, oh, my God, Alabama players never transferred. And then they lose the national championship and people transfer. And it's like they couldn't transfer because the season was still going on, you idiots. As soon as their season was over, they started transferring. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, like, I'm just looking at the talent on the roster. I'm looking at our guy, CJ Stroud. I, I look around the rest of the country and, like, we already did this show with the FPI. There's a reason Ohio State's ranked so highly in that with returning production and all that. If they could get a semi-functional defense, and I'm I'm just saying semi-functional, I believe Jim Knowles could give Ohio State a great defense, a semi-functional defense. This offense has the capabilities to win it all. I agree. Uh, I will say we didn't really talk about the offensive line. I don't think there's a lot of question marks there. No, especially again with um, with Harry Miller retiring. It's, it's yeah. Um, it's really I, straightforward at this point to me. It's just the backups, and the backup positions are huge because the backups yeah. are in line to start next year, and we don't know who those tackles and stuff are going to be. Also, had backups play every single season so far. Yeah, like I mean, had, offensive line, you you typically have seven starters. Yeah, and I I mean we go we could go through it real quick before we do our little schedule conversation. Yeah, it's um, um, it's, it's going to be. Paris Johnson Jr., left tackle. Matt Jones, left guard. Uh, Luke Whipler, center. Uh, right guard, Donovan Jackson Jr., and then right tackle, DeJuan Jones. And, and six-man. You can flip 
You can flip their sides. It doesn't matter. But I think it's going to be like, that. The sixth yeah, man that's how I feel likely, it is. The sixth man is Josh Fryer, most likely. And then the yeah, seventh Fryer. man, is it? Is it's it probably. Is it Vimahi? Not Vimahi, yeah. At, for the inside? Gonna, is, is, yeah, you'll have him for the inside. Yeah. Vimahi's a guy who could play all five. He's one of those. He's like Brandon Bowen, where he could play all five. Yeah, but like he's most likely going to be a guard in the league. So yeah. they need to go. Like he's going to be like a fifth round pick if he gets one year to fully start. Which yeah, actually, I think he should be the. Yeah, I think he should be the next guy, and I think he should most likely what could or will happen is. Fryer will start at right tackle next year, and Vamahi will start at left guard because Matt Jones and Dewan Jones will both leave. Yeah, and then next year would be Paris. Is this Paris Johnson's third year? Is this his second? This is his second year. Yeah, so we get two years in. So yeah, it'll be Paris Johnson, Vamahi, Luke Whippler, Jackson, and then Josh Fryer. Yeah, and I, I think that's a position. You know, we give Studer uh, a lot of shade, but I, it wasn't actually – it wasn't built great, and you need to hope a lot of these guys develop into it. I think the recruiting the last two years is the problem, not the recruiting from three or four years ago. Well, the issue, though, is like all of the people vying for tackle next year are very low recruits. Like Josh yeah. Fryer wasn't a high recruit. I'm only saying his name because a lot of people have talked very, talked to him very highly. Yeah, I he, mean, he to his body and stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. nobody in the wings. Like you have um, you have Zen Mikowski, who, but again, he was what recruit four or five hundred. You have. Um, yeah. Who else is in that Avery room? Avery Henry's a young guy. He's getting there. He was a 600-ranked recruit. Yeah. Like, that's the room. They're all developmental projects. And we talk about it with the tight end position a little bit. Like, a lot of it's physical development. And I think a lot of people don't realize the reason high-level offensive linemen take so long to sometimes hit is because, like, it's hard to develop a 300-pound body to move well and be a, the athlete you need and be as strong as you need at the same time. Yeah, which makes it even harder to take a 260-pound guy, make him 300, make him 300 and pounds. then get him to move. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. I will say this. Coach Stud, bad recruiter, but he was a pretty solid developer. He deserves a lot of credit for Dewan Jones being – like a good player. Yeah. Like Yeah, he does. And, and honestly he yeah. like he deserves a lot of credit for um NPF too because NPF was a five star recruit, but he weighed like two hundred and forty pounds. Two hundred and sixty pounds, yeah. Okay. Maybe I was being a Which little disrespectful. Super, that's super light though. <laughs> Maybe that's I was like being super a little light, disrespectful, bro. but yeah. It took him that's why it took him three years to play because he was two sixty, like Yeah, and it's just a it's a the offensive line's a challenging position to be physically and mentally ready for. Cause we talk about it all the time. I'm not that knowledgeable about like the ins and outs and like all the calls that they make. Like I know what double teams and I could tell you what they are when I see them, but the amount of stuff they do, the amount of checks they do on run plays because we're a zone oriented team, the amount of like calls and like seeing adjusting to linebackers blitzing and all that stuff. Like that takes a long time to learn. And like you combine that with the challenges with size, it's, it's not easy. And I think the room is in a good place. And I think Justin Fry is the type of coach who could take this room to the next level because we talk about it. Like 
Yeah, Stud was a great developer. That's what Justin Fry was doing at UCLA, and he's going to have three draft picks this year. Yeah, and he and and he's going to have, but he's he's going to be a great developer <laughs> and a better recruiter. The one you already last, feel it, yeah, yeah. The one last thing I would say that you didn't mention, agreeing with everything that you said, is offense and defensive line is typically places where people play until their third, fourth, or fifth year. And so the other hard thing is being eighteen and and, and guarding a twenty-two year old. Whether that twenty-two yeah. year old was a one, two, or three-star recruit, that is a grown man yeah like, and it's different <laughs> like it's a lot different going from playing like nine or ten defensive ends in your career that are good high school players and then you play maybe one or two a year that might be division one caliber yeah to playing all studs you know all guys who've been in the weight room for five years like you know yeah 22 got their grown man strength yeah it's different it's different, and that's a, it's it's a real challenge. So, uh, let's 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 get to the let's get to the end of this thing. Uh, we've got some schedule stuff. Uh, I, I think let's break this into thirds. Like we've got the off season. If we have a big news show, we can push it off. But we're gonna let's talk about the first third of Ohio State schedule here. That worked with you the first four games. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, so I, I think uh, it's an interesting schedule this year. Uh, you know, Ohio State has started with a tough game, uh, conference matchup, and this year now it's Notre Dame. Week one, um, you've got Arkansas State, you've got Toledo, and then you start conference play with Wisconsin. That was a, that was a mouthful with Wisconsin. Um, but it, you've got your two – pay games and then you've got your two marquee matchups and I think that's an ideal first four games like if you're a college football team you want to have that really challenging game early and then you want to start your I would prefer starting conference play with a more physical more talented team like Wisconsin than I would if we got to play Rutgers first yeah, the thing is, what you really want is you want that helmet game. You want that team that sounds like they're good and is not. And Notre Dame is the perfect team for that. Notre that's, Dame is not a challenge. Like, Ohio State may lose to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame should not be a challenge. There's there's a reason Notre Dame has never challenged in the playoffs. Because when they get to Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, those teams, they're not a matchup. This is a game that sounds like it should be a challenge. And Ohio State should win by 17 plus. But it's going to be like, oh my God, they beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame's going to finish the season 11 and 1. And, and then we're going to hear number one seed Ohio State. They beat number six seed Notre Dame. Like, you know? But they're not actually yeah, that good. Notre Dame is not a good football team. I don't care what anyone says. They're not. They're they're limited in a lot of places. And, you know. Who's their quarterback? Because Jack Cohen's not there anymore, is he? Yeah, it's an open competition. Uh, so we don't even know who their quarterback is right now, I don't think. Uh, there was a guy. He played pretty well, like, when Jack Cohen would mess up and they'd put him in. But I, this is kind of what I, I've been thinking about Notre Dame. And for all, like, the stuff people – like, Brian Kelly's not a likable coach by any means, like, to the public. But you can't argue with him. That, like, the dude's a great football coach. Like, he's won a lot of games at places. And Notre Dame's a challenging place to win. And if you're not good at recruiting to that type of player and getting those types of people who want to go to Notre Dame, you're going to be Charlie Weiss. And you're going to be the bad coaches. And Notre Dame's had historically great coaches – 
and historically terrible coaches. That's kind of their history. Uh, we don't know what Marcus Freeman is. We don't. He was a good defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, but we don't even know how much of that was his. Notre Dame already had a well-established defensive reputation when he got there, and he just didn't mess it up. You know, yeah, so I mean, they weren't spectacular what? on defense last year. We watched them play. Yeah, hey, they were. They were just a very. They're just a very solid football team. Like they're not gonna. They're gonna win more games than they lose. Like I think, ideally, they're probably a ten and two football team at best. Yeah, but also, if you can't tell, I'm not hiring Notre Dame. They're going to win more games than they lose because they play the ACC, which is why despite being in Indiana, they didn't ask for that partial uh, membership in the Big Ten because they knew what it would be like. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, they've got – they have more question marks coming into the season than Ohio State. And, you know, I like Tommy Reese. Uh, I don't know how much he can get out of Notre Dame's offense and he hasn't already. Uh, I, he had he's losing Kyron Williams. They're replacing him at running back. Um, you know their receivers like they don't have the flashiness there at the position. You know, and I, I just think you know for a first game, like you said, it's a great helmet game. It's on paper. It's what Oregon should have been. It's what you know Ohio State has done a good job in historically, you know, they beat Oklahoma one out of one, you know, and they get them at home. And I think a home opener in Columbus is a huge deal. Last year, you know, their first game was in Minnesota. We all remember how that went. It was kind of stressful for no reason. And I, I, I just feel like coming off the Utah game, coming off kind of that stretch to end the year that wasn't as good as they might have wanted it to be, this is a game like it's not a revenge game, but they are going to make an effort to prove a point to the rest of the country immediately. And who's guarding Jackson Smith and Jigba? There's not a single player on there. And like, okay, you're going to dedicate three players to stop Jackson Smith and Jigba. Good luck covering the rest of the guys. Yeah. All right. Marvin Harrison, <laughs> your turn. <laughs> We're going to have I, like CJ Stroud. Like, I, I know, like, he threw for a bunch of yards in the Rose Bowl after he got disrespected. So, I'm just really scared to see what he gets with a full offseason. His shoulder's going to be completely recovered. Like, you know, you start adding the math up, like, it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, and I think the thing that's being underestimated up until you play the Alabamas and the Georgias is C.J. Stroud is not a freshman. So all yeah. of that stuff that happened, like same exact team, same exact problems. Second year, CJ Stroud. We don't lose to Oregon because nope. he made because he not even second year he doesn't make those uh, same little mistakes. The last three games of the season, CJ Stroud, he's able to make the plays to win you the game. So yeah, I'm not saying that we're going to be Alabama and Georgia and those teams because they're going to be good, but we should be That's everyone just a else. different matchup. And I think Notre Dame is at second tier of college football, good teams where they're not going to win a national championship. And we really just don't know who they are with Marcus Freeman. And you can't come into Columbus finding your identity. You know, mm-hmm. this game was week nine and we kind of knew who Notre Dame was. We might have a different feeling for this, but this is just one of those games that I, I just have that feeling where it, it's it's not it, it probably could turn into a bloodbath. Yeah, and being well liked doesn't make you a good coach. And yeah, it does. I'm not saying that Marcus Freeman is a bad coach. I want to be clear on this. We, we don't, don't know what know. he is. We don't know. 
We don't know. And I am not ready because he has a popular name to crown him. We didn't know that Luke Fickle was going to be good at Cincinnati because he wasn't good at Ohio State. We didn't know that Ryan Day was going to be good. We didn't know that Lincoln Riley was going to be good. We don't know if Dan Lanning is going to be good. We didn't know that Mario could like you don't know until we you don't see know it. if Mario Cristobal is going to be good at Miami. That's like yeah. a real question. Like you don't know until you see it. I I am on the record that I don't think that Brent Venables is going to be good. So it's like, yeah, I'm not ready to crown anyone just because he's well liked, just because he's attractive, just because they Notre Dame puts out more like better so, uh, social media content, just because they recruit better. Like, you know, he's not awkwardly you like, still have dancing to coach behind him in the games. Yeah. I'm not ready to say that. And their offensive coordinator is 29. Um, their head coach is like 34. They're like a lot of young guys. Their linebackers coach is James Lord Nitus, who's never coached before. You know, like I'm not ready to say here's, it. Here's, so like we went through our questions here. If we did down with Notre Dame, there'd probably be seven or eight more questions. Yeah. And a lot of them would be on the coaching staff. I mean, their defensive line coach hasn't coached defensive line in four years. And hasn't coached defensive line at that level. And he's 32. Uh, so it's just like, yeah. And, and that's just the coaches. That's not the players. That's like, who is that? They always have a good tight end. Who's their tight end? Their offensive line hasn't been what it used to be when they were dropping Quentin Nelson and all the first round picks at tackle and stuff like that. Who is their quarterback? Who is their running back? Who are their wide receivers? Like, they have, a, they literally have questions at every position on offense. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's 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 kind of where we're at. And Ohio State at least doesn't have any questions on offense. Like, you know exactly except, where you're going to get. Except tight end. And we don't care yeah, about tight end. Even then. Like, we, Just we, kidding. We, we, we care, but it's – it's. I, I don't think that's going to be the difference if Ohio State wins or loses to Notre Dame. Because Ohio State could just go four wide and just start darting it around. Yeah. Oh, please go four wide with these wide receivers. Could you imagine four uh, wide with Marvin Harrison and Julian Fleming on the edge? And um, um, Jackson Oh, my in the slots. Stop it. <laughs> Just yeah, I don't even know why. I don't even want to put that out there because I just have a feeling it's not going to happen, and they're just going to stick with their eleven personnel. Yeah, but maybe. But um, uh, it's it's all right. Well, we could talk about that another time. Yeah, um, but yeah, that, Notre Dame. I think it's powerful. I think it'll be a fun game. I, anytime you get to play like a regional rival that you don't play often, it's it's big time. So it'll be a really nice statement game to show the pecking order in the Midwest is still strong, and I really hope. I really hope this isn't another organ where they come out and let us down because we're very confident. We're very confident. So you mentioned Oregon and Oklahoma before, and the difference between them is I don't like, although I said going into it that it was, and I was just straight up wrong. Oregon wasn't a helmet matchup. Oregon is actually a good team, especially early in the season. They're not a good team yeah. late in the season, which is why they never make the playoffs. So Oregon was a team that we should have been sufficiently worried about, and we were not. And that was on us. Yeah. And as fans and stuff us. like that, Notre Dame is not a team I feel we should be sufficiently worried about. They don't have mm-hmm. the things that can beat Ohio State. And ultimately, Ohio State, again, has the equalizer that it didn't have last year. And uh, a star running back with potential, with not potential, with playing experience, and a star quarterback with playing experience, and an offensive line with experience. Like, they're are just a lot less questions going in and the defense should be above average. They don't have to be great. Yeah. They don't have to be spectacular, but they are below average. Getting them to above average is going to be, a, is going to be enough. 
right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so the next two games are then Arkansas State and Toledo. Those are pay games. Like, we're going to get to see a lot of players in those games. Yeah. So that's, I don't, we don't even have to go into detail about them. And then the fourth game to finish off the first third of the season is Wisconsin. Uh, I, I really – so, so uh, let me start here. I'm excited about this because they run a lot of heavy personnel, and it'll be the first time we get to see what Jim Knowles has up his sleeve for a team that's not really the traditional modern type of football offense. And that's yeah. why I'm excited for that game. And I'm excited because it's the fourth game of the season. So the the starters, like the, like the defense, we should more have a better understanding of what the roster is and we should have a better understanding of what the rotation is and not that the players are going to be perfect at it, but obviously you're going to be better in week four than week one. And this is going to be, uh, I think, a sufficient challenge for um, some stuff. We're for sure. This is going to be the time we start seeing the rotation shrink up a little bit. Cause you know, in the first game, despite it being a big game, you're still going to see a little bit deeper of rotations. Cause it's the first game. You kind of want to see what everyone has to give you by week four. You've got the film games in the, in the pay games. You're going to yeah. know everything you've got. Yeah. Wisconsin is going to be that final test where you're like, all right, these are the guys we're going to ride with throughout the rest of the season. This is the game where we figure that out. Yeah, and I also like it because it's early enough that you can lose. And I like yeah. to put that out there because going 12-0 and is very hard. Even though we it's started to expect it from Ohio State, it's very hard. If you lose to Wisconsin, it is- you can still win the East. You can still make the playoffs. You can you know, have that come to Jesus moment. Like that is an early enough, you know, where you can if something is starting to become an issue or whatever, you can get it fixed. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think on top of that, it's it's a cross division matchup. So it doesn't play into the Big Ten championship race fully. Like it still counts towards your record. But in any tiebreaker scenarios, the divisional record doesn't change with it. And I, I think at the I, I think it's a game. They're always tough defensively. Um, and this is crazy. So looking at the schedule, uh, Ohio State doesn't play their first away game until October 8th. Wow. <laughs> so September 3rd, September 10th, September 17th, September 24th. Rutgers at home. Their first five games are at home. They don't play a road game till they're 16. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to do the recap this year. Because I wouldn't mind going to one of these games. Yeah, if I can get tickets to another damn game, I'll, I'll do the recap in the stadium if I have to. Yeah, we'll do a live recap. Hmm. With the, with, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna be lucky enough to get a booth like what everyone else gets. Uh, I, yeah. don't think, I don't think we're gonna All get right. into the press box. So to close out the show, final thoughts here. First four games. Do you expect Ohio State to be four now? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I am on record and will continue to be on record. I don't think Notre Dame's a challenge. I think there's going to be a lot of hype. Um, I think Ohio State is going to blow the doors off of them, and it's going to start the season on a high note because struggling with Minnesota does not do that. Um, yeah. And the Wisconsin, I mean, Ohio State playing Wisconsin is just fun. It's like Wisconsin is always close for a half, and we get nervous, and Ohio State blows them out. So, like, that's going to be fun so 
Yeah. It's going to be a fun. I, and then I, I, no offense Toledo, uh, no offense Arkansas State. I'm sorry. It's just I, I don't really think about you ever. No. Uh, no so I got four now. Ooh, no, I lied. I'm sorry. I care about Arkansas State and Toledo. Devin Brown sighting? Ooh, yeah. I mean, hey, come on. Let's talk we'll about it now. See, we'll probably see the walk-ons in that one. No, they never go more than three. That's why. That's why I said. That's why I said that. Um, it is disrespectful to go more than three. Yeah, that's that's why I said that. What's his name? Uh, Quinn Ewers was never going to start because he was going to be four, and they never go past three. But we did see, you know, out yeah, at a half. Off. We did. Well, I was not even going to say. I was going to say we did see out at a half, and then two and three get a quarter, or like two gets a yeah. quarter and a half, and three gets the last, you know, two or three drives. So Devin Brown sighting potentially. Yeah. That could be it. Yeah, the depth games. Those are what those are. Uh, I really like the way the schedule's laid out. I'm excited for next week now looking at the next four because that's going to be a fun run of games as well. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I think that's it for us today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show and you stuck with us. Uh, you guys can follow me at Chris Rennie CFB, and you can follow the show at Buck Off Pod. Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, JordanW330. And that is it for me today, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Go Bucks.